My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Eden Haythornthwaite and Bhaskar Sankara. In an era characterized by a veritable flood of information, including much that we can send skittering around the planet with a few swipes of a finger, it may sound peculiar to wonder about how ideas circulate. It becomes much more interesting and, indeed, urgent when you think specifically about ideas of struggle, of resistance, and of social transformation. Because while there are sometimes ways we can usefully hitch a ride on the great vortex of information that is driven by the immense amounts of energy and labor directed in the service of the capitalist impulse to profit, very often, the circulation of radical ideas happens only because people deliberately and actively choose to do the work to make it possible. And this kind of circulation matters because, well, Talking Radical Radio itself is in part premised on the conviction that creating opportunities to share experiences, ideas, and practices of struggle across various kinds of difference has the potential to contribute, at least in a small way, to our movements and to our communities and struggle. On today's show, we talk about another sort of example of how that can happen. Eden Haythornthwaite is a longtime activist who lives in the small community of Cowichan, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island. Bhaskar Sankara is the founder, editor, and publisher of Jacobin, a still relatively young print and online publication that is based in New York City and that has rapidly become one of the leading sources of left analysis and ideas in the United States. It's not a publication that follows a single political line, but rather it houses a range of left analyses of and debates on politics, economics, and culture. And in the last year, Haythornthwaite has been involved in a monthly reading group in Cowichan, where a range of people with backgrounds in various sorts of social justice work get together and collectively discuss recent Jacobin articles, taking up what is useful and applicable to them, discussing it all in the context of their own political circumstances and struggles, and moving forward with new tools, new ideas, and new possibilities. Through the labor of Sankara and the many others who produce Jacobin, and through the work of Haythornthwaite, the others in the reading group in Cowichan, and the other 70-plus Jacobin reading groups in North America and around the world, a rich menu of non-sectarian left ideas is circulated. And this is not just as passive content for passive consumption, but as part of active uptake and reflection and the application of ideas to local circumstances that are as divergent as New York City and Cowichan, B.C. We talk about the publication and the reading group, and about the circulation of radical ideas. I spoke with Haythornthwaite and Sankara by Skype to phone from Cowichan and Skype from New York, respectively. My name is Eden Haythornthwaite. I live in Cowichan, B.C., which is on Vancouver Island, about an hour north of the capital of the province, Victoria. I have been involved in politics all my life, and wound up in a situation where just about everybody around me is the same. And I really started reading Jacobin online quite a while ago. And when the issue of the reading group was broached in the magazine or on the online version of the magazine, I thought that this would be an excellent opportunity almost to go back to the bare boards and start again a little bit. 
We've been doing a lot of work here in Cowichan for a very long time, and sometimes a, a fresh start is a good idea. And I'm Bosker Sankara. I founded Jacobin when I was in college, but I more or less encountered politics and socialist politics at around the same time when I was very young, probably too young to be making those kind of lifelong decisions. Around the seventh or eighth grade, I think I, I discovered, you know, Trotsky and Marx and all these thinkers. And I started Jacobin after a long process of going through these ideas and engaging in campus-based activism. And I was kind of torn between two poles. On the one hand, I had a deep intellectual interest in Marxism and in these deeper, more theoretical questions. But on the other hand, uh, a lot of the activism that I did day to day seemed to be very disconnected from this theory. It was broad work in local social justice work through my campus organizations, through the anti-war movement and through other things. And I started Jacobin as kind of a bridge to allow people who, like me, were engaged in a lot of practical day-to-day -day activism to be able to encounter and deal with theory and real socialist politics and Marxist ideas in a way that wasn't very intimidating, that didn't require a lot of prerequisite knowledge, but that also, on the other hand, didn't condescend to people. So in other words, we tried to take complex ideas and put them forward in a very presentable way but at the same time, not really dumbing down anything. So a lot of the Jackman projects built along that basis. And the reading group is really for people who read these ideas, but want to do more than just engage with them passively, but want to actually connect with other people and day-to-day and -day work and discuss not only the activism that we need to do, but also what kind of framework we should use to understand and interpret the world and also try to change it in a transformative way. The actual founding of the magazine was fairly simple. I just sort of did it. Um, at the time, I didn't really know how much work would be involved or all the steps or how complicated a lot of the creative processes would be once I got more people involved. But at the time, I just had some extra time and I saw that there was a need for something like this. I didn't think that I was the right person exactly to do it, but I thought that I had some of the raw skill set that I could over time become that person. It started off quite modestly as an online publication. So an online publication required almost no overhead. You just have to pay for a domain name and have to be willing, in my case, to stumble through very ugly elementary web designs and other stuff that I did myself. Within two, three months, I realized that an online publication in itself didn't really have that much of an impact because there are so many online magazines already on the internet. There's so many blogs and this just felt a bit oversaturated to the point that I felt like Jackman wasn't really developing its own audience. So then at that point, for no other reason but that, I decided to make it in addition online a print magazine. And it kind of just has grown organically from that. Today we have over 10,000 subscribers, but as recently as two years ago, we only had three, 4,000. And before that, it was even less. By the time Occupy Wall Street rolled around, we only had eight, 900 subscribers. So right now it's a very complicated, daunting thing, but it was easy enough to manage because it's kind of been a gradual road to this mark. Jacobin is really a publication that grew up with the internet, partially because of the age of a lot of the poor initial people involved. You know, I started the publication when I was 20 years old. A lot of the people involved are still in their mid to late 20s. We were very comfortable with using the internet to promote and spread around articles and ideas. We didn't even have a physical office in New York until June of last year. So it was really something that really belonged truly to the internet. 
we had collaborators all over the place in different countries and different parts of the United States. So I think that unlike a lot of other publications, we don't really have this kind of organic identity with New York, even though a lot of the people initially involved happen to be New Yorkers. Our reading groups, we have over 40 now in the United States. We have, I think, around a dozen in Canada. So it's really meant to be something broad. We don't really particularly think that we have a New York identity. And to the extent we do, it's been something we've been trying to shake. Jacobin is an online publication. So in other words, we're not a publication where you have to fit some predetermined exact position on an issue in order to publish with us. But on the other hand, we're not completely laissez-faire in what we allow to be published. A good way to describe it is a box publication where we have certain things that we think are viewpoints that we want to see expressed in Jackman. We have certain other viewpoints we think that, you know, could be expressed in other publications and don't quite fit the politics. But within the box, we want to have vigorous and open and honest debate. So, for example, to give you a sense, I would say that some of our contributors are self-described social democrats. Most of our contributors, though, are socialists. So, in other words, some of our contributors want to see capitalism be made better, and that's the limits of their horizon. They want to see more and more ounces of humanity within capitalism. This is a very admirable goal, of course, and it's a goal that socialists like myself share. But as a socialist, I think that we need to expand democracy even further than making capitalism humane. I think we need to expand democracy into the social and economic realms. So what that means is, you know, I believe in a future with no capitalists, where workers have full ownership of production and have full democratic say in the economy and in the decisions that affect their lives in a deeper way. But of course, we're willing to publish someone who wants to see one sphere of life, like let's say healthcare in the United States, be decommodified, be taken out of the market. Because of course, myself and a lot of the other contributors in Jackman want to see every sphere of life be decommodified and taken out of the market. So obviously, it's no big stretch for us to include people who agree with us on particular issues, but maybe not the whole picture. The publication is meant to not really draw hard lines saying, if you don't believe this about the merits of the Russian Revolution or the Paris Commune, you, you can or can't publish in the publication. It's meant to be more open than that. But on the other hand, we're not going to have the publication be defending things like politics as usual as it relates to U.S. interventions overseas or be pushing tales about responsible capitalism or lifestyle choices, fixing the way that things are. Where did the idea of reading groups arise and how did that develop from the perspective of the publication itself? And we'll get to you in a minute, Eden. When Jackman got some degree of success, we got a big profile in the New York Times. We were growing. We had over 5,000 subscribers at this point. But I didn't want us to be some type of publication that people read just as passive consumers. I didn't want them to say, I prefer reading Jacobin over The Baffler because it's less pessimistic, or I prefer reading Jacobin over M plus one because it's more radical. I wanted people to actually read Jacobin because they felt like the ideas in Jacobin were their ideas because they felt like they were part of a political movement with a past and a future and thought of Jacobin as an organ, just one component of this political movement, set of ideas, the socialist movement. So I thought the only way for this to happen would be to, you know, encourage people who aren't currently active as socialists and socialist organizations, which is, I think, the vast majority of people who would be interested in these ideas, because the existing socialist groups we have in the United States and Canada are quite small. 
to give them a chance to get together and discuss things with people in their communities and debate ideas and, and do so in a way that wasn't structured outside of the basic principles of being civil with one another and having good, honest debate and, you know, coming from different perspectives of this movement, but all sharing this moral and ethical critique of capitalism and a real hope and a willingness to fight for some sort of just alternative. So, Eden, before we get into talking about the reading group that you're involved with, tell me a little bit more about the community, about Cowichan. Well, it's probably very different from what Oscar is used to dealing with. It's a fairly rural area. We have a very large Aboriginal population. Also, we have areas of this valley that have amongst the lowest social economic indicators in Canada. There's been a large wood industry here. Up to recently, it was the primary source of income and jobs, and a lot of that has vanished. And now they're trying to create kind of a a retirement ethos here. And also, it's been a very politically active area. Cowichan, to be perfectly honest with you, and I feel quite proud of this, is famous in British Columbia. The people that I work with have been very active in electoral politics in this area for a long time, especially local politics. We managed to have a school board take a majority for basically a socialist majority and put forward what you might call a nonconformist budget that ultimately got them fired. I was the chair at the time, and that was a short while ago. And in some ways, though that created a lot of what I would call popular sentiment in the community, it also burned out that sentiment. And that's one of the reasons why I thought the reading group was a good choice for a lot of the people that I work with. Tell me about the founding of the reading group. Well, I've enjoyed the articles very much. I like the spread. There's everything from sports to very deep studies of political economy and labor issues. Most of the people that I work with are trade unionists. We probably are older than the trends in some of the other reading groups, from what I can tell, although we do have some young people in our group. And I think people just wanted to be able to get together and start to feel their way towards other projects and have the reading group as a sound basis for talking about ideas and also to be comfortable. I think what Vasquez said about the sort of non-orthodox nature of Jacobin really appealed to everybody, that we weren't going to be sitting there picking apart everybody's conversations to detect whether they were good Marxists or not. We just wanted to talk about socialist politics in a congenial fashion and maybe do some work. That's what really attracted me to it. Back in June, I was told they were going to actually create an organizer for the reading groups. When I heard this, I realized these people are serious, (laughs) that they're going to hire somebody to actually look after this and manny it, and they did. They said it was going to be in August, and they did, and this person phoned me, and that kind of thing always impresses me because, quite frankly, on the left, a lot of times, it's a little bit on the flaky side, so not in this case. So I felt good from the beginning, and every step of the way, I thought, yes, this is the sort of thing that we can do. Tell me a bit about how it works practically. How often do you get together? What are the meetings like? I had a good conversation with Neil Meyer, who is the organizer. I had a whole list of questions, and he answered each of them very well. And so we've kind of followed their guidelines. We meet once a month. That was a suggestion. We have about 24 people in our distribution network, but we get somewhere between 8 and 12 people at a reading group session. We meet at the offices in the city hall in the basement of a volunteer organization. It's very comfortable. We decide at any given meeting what the next meeting's article will be and who's going to be the facilitator. We develop a series of prompting questions, and we've also done it on the basis of topic. 
the last meeting we decided there were so many articles about Syriza and Greece that we were just going to have a whole meeting about Syriza and Greece, and we had a suggested list of articles from Jacobin. And we also have people come with other materials, things from Salon or from The Guardian or from the policy alternative people. There's a lot going on, you know, all over the place. And Jacobin, it centralizes our thinking with their articles. We've tried to build our choices around the people who were there. The first one we chose was the one um, on making global capitalism because we thought it was a good general article to kick off the reading group and it worked out very well. It had the nine points and people enjoyed reading it. We moved into, we decided we were going to talk about the war for power and no more imperial crusades. It just so happened we decided on it the day before a gentleman shot up our parliament and that turned out to be rather topical, you know, dealing with radicalization at home and all that sort of thing. We have some transgendered and gay members who really wanted to talk about the Leslie Feinberg article, so we did a meeting on that, and that was a great meeting. We have a gentleman who used to be a priest and isn't anymore who really wanted to talk about the new atheist, so we did that. And our next one in April is going to be based on three articles out of the new issue on technology, and one of them is about education. One thing I failed to mention is because of our school board connections, a lot of the people in our group are teachers, former teachers, and connected to the education community. What's your sense of what it means to be taking up some of these things, specifically in Cowichan? Tell me a little bit about how the specifics of place shape what you choose and how you engage with it. I think we have a bit of a trajectory ourselves. We live quite close to Victoria. There's quite a lot of political activity out of Victoria, and it's all marvelous and very well-intentioned, but a lot of it is based around some what I consider to be rather dogmatic organizations, some of whom do not get along with one another, and we don't seem to have to deal with as much of that in Cowichan, with the possible exception of the irritation the NDP seem to feel towards anything that goes on that they're not actually in charge of. (laughs) But that's just typical of Social Democrats. What can I tell you? Here I feel like we get a kind of a clean start, a bit of an open road, and we're not governed by quite so many little tiny feuds and that sort of thing that I've noticed in the bigger communities. And a lot of it is based around the fact that we are on occupied land here with our large Aboriginal population. There's a reserve not more than a few blocks from the home I'm sitting in right now. The fact that our resource industry has really taken a dive, and this has resulted in a fair bit of economic distress. And a lot of the people that I'm working with are people who come out of the labor movement. We're hoping to continue with our electoral aims in the future. We have some ideas around that. So we're sort of promoting certain ideas that we think will be valuable. One of them is public ownership. And in that regard, our Cowich and Jacobin group is actually sponsoring a big public meeting in May. We're bringing in a journalist from the TIE who talks about the case for public democratic ownership of our wood and our oil and our natural resources. So we have that kind of, I guess what you could call, flavor. From the perspective of Central Jacobin, what's your impression of the differences among how reading groups in different places, reading groups that are constituted differently, take up and make use of the publication? Jacobin is, I think, a useful banner for people to use because, you know, Jacobin is a publication that's a mix of independent socialists, people who are members of different organizations. We all get along and engage with ideas across organizational boundaries. So I think that it makes sense that in not just the United States, but Canada and internationally, it's very useful to have this publication that people know isn't associated with just one line or one organization. 
it's really useful to have it be a way for people to get together a platform. What goes on past that, we don't dictate from the center because we don't understand, nor would we be able to understand the exact conditions and political histories of all the areas, all 70 of them, that have Jacobin groups. So, you know, we know quite a bit about how to organize, you know, a mix of housing rights activists and community and labor organizers that we have at our Brooklyn group. But we don't quite know about the conditions that motivate other groups. So it's interesting to hear feedback and hear how they're using Jacobin. We released a booklet called Class Action with the Chicago Teachers Union early last year. And that's been used by reading groups in Newark and in Chicago. It's been used by a lot of our base of groups that are primarily, if not entirely, composed of teachers and people who work in education. And on the other hand, we have other groups that are completely or almost completely campus-based with a lot of young people who are just dabbling for the first time in activism and socialist ideas. So people have all sorts of different starting places, and it really is nice to hear that the publication manages to walk that fine line between having a clear sense of direction and knowing what we believe in, which is broadly to a socialist thought, but on the other hand, not being too dogmatic and being able to leave it open for invention and use by individual people and, and groups, and that's entirely the point. Tell me a bit more about the thinking at Jacobin around hiring someone to coordinate the reading groups. What's the purpose? What's the role that that person plays from your perspective? I think that one thing that Jacobin does well compared to maybe other efforts on the left is that when we set about, let's say, creating a print publication, we really made the effort to make sure that it was beautiful and, and relatively easy to read. And we're not quite there on the clarity. I'm sure we can do a little bit better job editing commissioning pieces. But it definitely is beautiful. So in other words, we didn't want to do something that was ill thought out and was sloppy. In the same way, when we were going to do reading groups, we quickly realized that it was going to be very hard to, one, speak to people and explain the project and make sure that we're all on the same page about the broad ideas motivating the reading group. So some level of vetting, but it's not really, you know, that's not really the word we would use normally to describe it. But on the other hand, we really also wanted to provide actual tools, like tips for people. How do you maintain a group in which one or two people don't dominate the discussion? Here's some sample syllabuses. Here's some ideas about how to structure a one-hour reading group or a one-and-a-half-hour reading group. So I think these basic tools and also not only keeping the existing groups, but also make sure that we're expanding, we have enough resources and time for people all across the world who, for various reasons, want to start these groups. We really needed someone whose job was dedicated to do this. And one of the things we do with Jackman is we try to run things very leanly. We try to make sure that we use the resources of the publication very well. So obviously, we're not getting anything monetarily from having reading groups, but it's entirely the purpose. It's what motivates us, the idea that people are actually getting something you know useful out of the publication. We didn't want this to be just some little hobby course where we would go and rant for a few hours a day, and then maybe some people would like it and share it. We wanted it to be a real tool, and it really requires someone, in this case, Neil Meyer and the other people involved with organizing the groups, that are serious and also have a vision of not only connecting socialist ideas with the various struggles and situations that people face in their communities, but also with creating a new sort of climate and culture around the left. 
I think it's useful to have people like Eden, people like Neil, who are just, I think, a good person to have a first conversation about socialism with. People who have the skill set to not only do what we do at Jacobin, what I think I do well, which is write and edit about socialism well, but also people who are able to communicate the ideas in other forms and actually make that personal connection. And that's what the reading group is really about. So it's really inspiring, I think, to create a project where people can use their different skill sets, their different backgrounds and experiences in a certain way. And I think that Jacobin, as it grows, hopefully we'll have many more hundreds of reading groups, but also thousands of readers, just so people are involved in kind of a process and discussion. I guess one way to put it is that in college, the scenes that I was around, around the time that I was starting Jackman, a lot of people were creating these anarchist style zines. And there was something actually really nice and collective and non-hierarchical about them. When I went around starting Jacobin, even though the ideas were socialist, I really created, in effect, a fairly structured, organized, in a way, kind of hierarchical, actual publication for how we get things done and how we're run. But at the same time, today, we could have 500, 600 people writing for us every year. We could have all these rooting groups that are completely decentralized. So in other words, we have the publication run as a publication, but the reading groups really keeps us grounded in really the spirit and culture of the socialist project. And I think you really need both sides to have some sort of balance. Otherwise, we might as well just be, you know, the nation or the new republic or something like that. And if there are folks who hear this and who think that maybe they'd like to start a reading group where they are, what steps do they need to follow to do that? Look for information on our site. It's jackbrandmag.com. You can check our about page and there'll be a link to our reading group page. And you can also send an email to outreach at jackbrandmag.com to find out if there's already a group in your area or what it would take to start one. And you could be in touch with our reading group organizer, Neil Meyer. And you'll have lots of resources to the broader network of people like Eden running reading groups all across the United States, Europe. We have a group in Kathmandu, Nepal, Canada, all over the place. So really, it's a broad, nice, friendly network, and we would love more people to start groups. And Eden, make a pitch for reading groups. Well, I think that most people that I talk to want to do something about the way the world is. And I think that sitting alone and just sort of fretting about it is pretty unhealthy and, of course, doesn't get anything done at all. But not everybody wants to just join a party or leap into something more involved. But, you know, it says on their page, don't study collective action alone. I mean, it's not just about studying, but it certainly is a good step, especially for people who just feel like they're not connected to any activist enterprise at the moment, or maybe have been and have felt kind of disappointed in the way it turned out, which, to be perfectly honest with you, is probably pretty inevitable. (laughs) But it's very companionable. Jacobin encourages that. And it also concentrates your effort a little bit so that you can proceed with other things with all these people around you who are like-minded. You have been listening to my interview with Bhaskar Sankara, editor and publisher of the New York-based Jacobin magazine, and Eden Haythornthwaite, a longtime activist in Cowichan, British Columbia, who is involved in a Jacobin reading group in her little town. To learn more about the publication, including about the reading groups that are affiliated with it, go to jacobinmag.com. That's jacobinmag.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.